Welcome back to Hail Marys and Hoops. I'm your host, Jeff Pratt. I'm a fantasy analyst at Primetime Sports Talk and a social and content intern at DraftKings. Today, as always, I'm joined by Anton Lee and Jeremy Guerin, and we're talking some football after doing an NBA offseason podcast last episode. We're going to be focusing specifically on the AFC this week, just having a discussion. We've got a few topics to cover, but in reality, we're going to have an open discussion here, touching on a lot of points on what to expect from the AFC this year. And we're going to start off with a question that I'm going to direct to you, Anton. Welcome back to the show, by the way. Which team will be the biggest surprise this season? First, thank you, Jeff, for having me back on the show again. I got the Oakland Raiders. Um, mm. The reason why that I would be Oakland, surprising because, you know, they relocated be. from Oakland three oh years my God, ago. Right. I'm sorry. Sorry. No disrespect. <laughs> hey, no, to no, no, no. For, for those not aware, Anton is working off of the old West Coast time right now. So he gets the reprieve because it's a little bit earlier for him at the time. Well, I mean, then again, it, you know, whatever. But there, everyone knows <laughs> I can't I just can't get over the fact they're in Las Vegas. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't make any sense to me. But I got the Las Vegas Raiders. My bad, guys. Um, but the reason why is because I think offensively, um, they have a very, very strong team. You know, they have s- about six starting caliber receivers. That that room is deep. They have about three very solid running backs. Josh Jacobs is coming off um, a very strong season, even though he got hurt. And the the biggest question mark, obviously, is their defense. Still pretty raw, but they have they added Yannick Ngakwe in the offseason. But there have been a lot of talk recently surrounding Derek Carr. And I think he's been the one listening to it recently, which is everyone's talking about how Derek Carr used to be this quarterback and now he's no longer what he used to be, that they should move on. And even last year when when he got hurt and Marcus Mariota had to step in, there were people calling for his job. And I think Derek Carr is tired of hearing the noise. I think John Gruden is also sick of it. I think the two of them are set up, are going to go out and try to prove something this year. Um, last year, they almost beat the Chiefs twice. In fact, they beat them once, but then they had a, one of their classics, uh, classic collapses in the fourth quarter, um, and Patrick Mahomes did Patrick Mahomes things, right? But I think people will be pleasantly surprised by what the Raiders are going to do this year. John Gruden and Derek Carr are going to set on prove why they're both who they think they are. I got the Oakland Raiders being a big surprise this season. See, I'm not sure that John Gruden can ever become who he thinks he is because who he thinks he is is the best coach in NFL history. We know he carries himself with that type of confidence. But Anton, I do like the pick. And I'm actually going to jump in here now because if we recall last NFL episode, uh, Jeremy took my pick of Kyle Pitts when we were talking about Mm, who's going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year right off the bat. I have a feeling we have the same team that's going to surprise here. So I'm taking the opportunity to jump him. It's going to be a wasted opportunity if he has a different uh, franchise. (laughs) But I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Chargers. Justin Herbert, he's my MVP pick this year. I believe he's also Jeremy's MVP pick. We're both really high on the Chargers. As we talked about multiple times on this podcast, they were a couple of points away from flipping like four or five losses into four or five wins. They've got a better head coach. They've got Austin Eckler back. I think Keenan Allen is one of the best receivers in the game. That rapport is only going to continue to develop. I apologize. That is my garage for people listening in the background. (laughs) It is not an earthquake. Someone is coming in. Um, But And then we look at the Chargers, and and this offseason, they really revamped their offensive line. 
which was a struggle last year. They brought in one of the best centers in the league in Corey Lindsley. They drafted one of the best offensive tackles in the in the draft in Rayshon Slater. Uh, they draft, and then on the defensive side of the ball, Asante Samuel Jr. slipped to them in the second round. He was going to be a first-round talent. And then they continued to address to address the offensive line, bringing in guys like Matt Failer, Ode Abushi. This offensive line is completely revamped. Austin Eckler is healthy. Keenan Allen, one of the best receivers in the game. They brought in Jared Cook to replace Hunter Henry. Offensively, they're lethal, and defensively, they got better as well. So the Chargers are my team to watch. Jeremy, let's see if you had the same squad. So, joke's on you. I picked two teams for each oh, one of these categories because I knew that people... <laughs> no, because knew I, knew that, I, I knew that people were going to steal my my two... So, I could go last on both of these first two categories because I want to see what you guys say. Um, the Raiders pick is interesting, Anton. Uh, I did have the Chargers as one of my picks for the biggest surprise. The one thing I don't like about what the Chargers are doing is Brendan Staley already came out and said that he's not going to be playing Justin Herbert. He's not going to be playing Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, and there's one, of, I think, Darwin James maybe. None of them are going to play in the preseason, and I just don't agree with that strategy. I think it's stupid. I think that you have to get some sort of run-up to the actual season, or it's going to hit you like a ton of bricks. And I understand you're trying to preserve guys from getting injured, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't play at all, especially Herbert. I mean, it's his second year. Get him get him a little like a series or two with his new offensive line his reworked offensive line so that way he can get a little bit of familiarity with them heading into the season I think that's dumb all right I went through every single AFC team tried to find a second team for me to put as my biggest surprise because the Chargers in my opinion are the clear number one I was very high on them last uh, NFL episode so I'm gonna go with the Patriots as my second one Mm. um and this is not necessarily because of my expectations, because I, I expect them to win double-digit games this year. This is more the national, we'll call it fans and media, uh, looking at it. I said it uh, to Jeff uh, during the preseason game on Thursday against the Washington football team. ESPN has them ranked as like the 18th best defense, apparently, and I think that's way too low. Without Stephon Gilmore, they're a top 10 defense. With Stephon Gilmore, they could get all the way up to top three. Um, the way things would line up, you'd have Judon... Matthew Judon and Gilmore lined up on the same side of the field in your base defense if you're going man-to-man. That is scary because Judon is a game record. We saw it in the preseason game against Washington. I think that as long as as long as long the quarterback, which is obviously the biggest question mark on this team, as long as they don't absolutely suck and blow, they'll be fine. Um, their running backs, well above average. Their offensive line will be one of the better ones in the league. Their tight ends, still a question mark. I want to see both of them on the f- uh, both of them on the field together at the same time in Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. And their wide receivers are going to be a weakness. So it comes down on that offense to the quarterback and the wide receivers. Can you get wideouts that have enough separation and can get enough third and five conversions to string together long drives? Because they don't have a deep threat. And as long as the Patriots don't have a deep threat, they're not going to make any real, real noise in the playoffs. But it's interesting to see, and I think that they should return to the playoffs this year with this roster. They got a loaded defense, a kicker that hits bombs, a punter that already was the called Robo Leg before. The kicker. Um, yeah. yeah, you laugh. This That's the uh, Qu- this Quinn Nordine Quinn kid. Me yeah. and uh, Jeff watched him on Thursday. He hits missiles, and apparently all the Michigan people hate him, which is even funnier to me. He can't he um, can't hit PATs, but he can hit fifty yarders down, straight down the middle. Yeah, who needs that? Who needs who needs, who kicked, needs yeah. to point after? He, bro? Who needs he kicked that? he kicked a thirty four yarder that cleared the kicking net, Anton. 34 we'll get, yards uh, out. That's kind of a that's a, mon- that's a We'll get that's Chad a Johnson out there to kick our PATs. No big deal. Oh, good. So anyway, yeah, I have I have the Patriots as being a uh, surprise. I think a lot of people are underrating um, them just because of recency bias after last year. 
And I expect them to get either 10 or 11 wins this year, and it wouldn't be that much of a surprise. Yeah, you know, um, I'll talk a little bit about the Patriots here because the one thing that they have this season that they didn't have is depth. They didn't bring any superstar players in, but they brought in the two top tight ends on the market. Johnny Smith looked good in limited action in their first preseason game. Hunter Henry, we know he's dealing with a little bit of an injury. That's the story for him throughout his career as he picks up these ticky-tack injuries. So let's see if he can stay on the field. One thing you did say that I don't necessarily agree with is you said the Patriots are lacking a deep threat. Nelson Aguilar is a burner, in my opinion. He showed it last year with Las Vegas. Uh, I think it's impressive. That he can it's come. impressive that he can get down the field so quickly, considering he's dragging his 500-pound stone weights that he calls hands. <laughs> hey, uh, he's got to be better than Wilkerson, right? <laughs> I don't know. I but, they're um, both they're both equally bad. R- regardless of the hands of Nelson Aguilar, he does provide a deep threat. And he's going to catch some balls. He's still a good receiver. And while their receiving core isn't great, they did add depth. As I said, you know, Jacoby Myers is still, in my opinion, one of the most underrated receivers in this league. Kendrick Bourne is a good slot guy. Nikhil Harry finally showed up in training camp. Didn't show up whatsoever in the first preseason game, but he's been looking good in training camp. So we can see what he brings as a jump ball receiver. I like the Patriots this year. I have a feeling we'll be talking about them a little later, so I'll stop there. And yeah, I was I was gonna say something though yeah. about the Patriots. One thing that I noticed is that the Patriots, at least in my lifetime, had one of the most disastrous seasons I've ever seen them have, and they still finished seven and nine, right? Exactly. And I, think, I think just a few, you know, that Cam Newton, you know, like fumbling the ball at the one yard line, that kind of stuff, and you know, getting blown up behind the line against Seattle. I think those sort of moments. Um, if those just swing one way or the other, I think the Patriots are like a 10-win team again last season. And one thing that I really like is that they have Mac Jones. And I saw him in the preseason. He's looking very solid. Cam Newton, on the other hand, man, that guy, I just, I really don't know what the deal is with him. He's like this athletic freak, but he just never seems to be able to throw the ball accurately. And it just seems like every year he seems bigger and bigger, but he just can't throw the football like a solid 12 yards. And it doesn't make any sense to me why they are not going to name Mac Jones the starter because he's clearly the guy who fits the system better. Like, do you need Cam Newton, who's now like no longer super Cam? He's just regular pedestrian Cam. Like he's not even he's not even like he's not even had that ex- explosiveness anymore. Do you really want to risk it all and just like throw your season away by losing the first four games if you're going to toss out Cam Newton out there? I'd put it in Mac Jones, honestly. He was like changing protections and stuff like that. He looks really impressive to me. Yeah, you know, it was interesting. We heard coming out of camp or coming into camp that there would be an open competition. And then a couple days after camp, it was like, all right, Cam's the guy. Cam's clearly the guy. Belichick said that. But recently, we've got guys like Tom Curran reporting that it might not be a done deal. And Mac did. While Mac wasn't fantastic, uh, in my opinion, he threw the deep ball nice. He didn't complete any of those deep balls, but one of them should have been a dime of a touchdown to Wilkerson, who just can't catch a football to save his life. Um, he was better than Cam. Cam, uh, his arm strength it was the problem last year. It doesn't seem like the problem this year to me. He just has no touch, as you were saying, Anton. He can't yeah. complete the little dump-offs, which is a huge part of the Patriots game, and that's something that Mac Jones excels in. So it's clear that Mac runs the offense McDaniels wants him to run, it's just a matter of, hey, do we want to throw the rookie into the fire this quick, or can Cam not hinder our offense to the extent that it's losing us games? 
and I think it's definitely a question of style, because I believe Josh McDaniels, the Patriots offensive coordinator, uh, comes from the school of thought of Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, guys like that, where I don't need Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur as well. I don't need an Aaron Rodgers or a Patrick Mahomes to make a bunch of athletic plays with their arms and stuff like that. I just need a robot that doesn't turn the ball over. That's what they had in L.A. for years with Jared Goff. Shanahan had Kirk Cousins, then he had Matt Ryan, who Matt Ryan was probably his most talented, but now he's working with Jimmy Garoppolo, and he got to a Super Bowl with him. Um, I think McDaniels just doesn't want uh, a lot of turnovers, and that's exactly what Newton gave you last year. Uh, Mac Jones has got to learn how to push the ball down the field more than seven yards. I know it was about seven seven yards. Uh, See, but I'll say that that attempt. We, we talked about this. That was the game plan. Like he he bib when he pushed the ball, he was throwing good passes. But you, it was clearly they were making an effort to do these little hurry up, quick pass offenses. So I I can't. But blame I don't him. think that the Patriots' offense is going to be structured to push the ball more than seven yards down the field. None of their receivers outside of Aguilar can do it with any sort of regularity. And Aguilar's the only guy, and he's not exactly a Julio Jones or one of these big big bodied receivers that you know is basically a sure thing to come down with some of those jump balls if you were to throw it up against a smaller defender um especially with the tight ends again not necessarily you're not going to be throwing a 20 yard out to them because they're they're tight ends that's what they are they're going to be their patriots offense is going to be predicated on a lot of run after the catch and breaking tackles and stuff like that and i think zolak uh scott zolak the patriots broadcaster made a good point during the preseason game he said that a lot of guys haven't really tackled yet because it's the first game of the preseason so while the patriots and john o. smith was the prime example we're breaking a lot of tackles on uh, Thursday night against Washington. It'll be interesting to see once you get into the real season. Will that keep happening? Will they be as elusive as they were Thursday night? And I think that that will bear monitoring as we we keep going. The Patriots' offense is clearly their weakness, and that'll be uh, their biggest problem in terms of trying to get to that double-digit win plateau. Today's episode is brought to you by Primetime Sports Talk, your top source for all major sports content, including DFS, fantasy advice, and great gambling tips. Be sure to head over to primetimesportstalk.com to check out their in-depth analysis, exclusive articles, fascinating interviews, and explore the rest of their amazing podcast family. Again, primetimesportstalk.com, your go-to spot for sports content. Yeah, I think that's enough Patriots talk. I, I'm not going to argue with anything you just said. I think you made some fair points. We're going to move on to the next discussion topic, which we said which team is going to be the biggest surprise this season. Now, which team will be the biggest di- disappointment? Jeremy, you went last... Uh, with the last question, so you'll go first now. Okay, so I'm going to avoid the obvious answer here, what I believe is the obvious answer, simply because they had such a good season last year. I don't think that they're going to duplicate it because of the improved competition of their division. So I'm going to take the other team that I had on here, one that I don't think you guys are going to say, but one a team that I viscerally hate, and that is the Baltimore Ravens. Mm, I think that they are going to struggle this year. I think you know I hate the Ravens. No, we all hate the Ravens. We all hate the Ravens. Sorry, Ravens fans. Sorry, Ravens fans. But this has been been a, a large bone with me I've I've hated the Ravens more than I've hated the Steelers over the last decade plus there's something about John Harbaugh and Ray Lewis and all those guys that just bothered me uh, and it's it's really persisted until today nothing against the current players I guess as much now that Terrell Suggs is gone from them but I still don't like the organization I don't like Harbaugh whatsoever that being said I have them finishing under 500 this year I think this is the year that the bubble bursts on Lamar Jackson. I think that he's going to be asked to throw a little bit more, and it'll be interesting to see if it happens. One team that could go for Michael Thomas could be Baltimore, 
and that could be interesting, only because that fits Lamar's game plan. A lot of short, quick throws, not yeah. really asking a guy, not asking uh, Jackson to stay in the pocket for five, six seconds and let his line block for him while he searches out a downfield threat. Um, I think that the running game for Baltimore has been obviously their bread and butter for the last couple of seasons, not necessarily only because of Jackson, but also because of Gus Edwards. And now J.K. Dobbins is going to be the centerpiece with Mark Ingram gone. Um, that offensive line after trading Orlando Brown Jr. got a little bit worse. And I think that it could have an impact on Baltimore. Um, Mark Andrews, I mean, people have him as a very highly ranked tight end. And Not as a former year, Sooner, yeah. my friend likes him a lot. I don't really like Mark Andrews that much. I don't know why. He's He seems like he's always got an ankle problem. Um, he's not necessarily that nails guy that you need down the stretch. The addition of Sammy Watkins should help that offense a little bit, but I think their biggest problem will be on defense and trying to replace Matt Judon. Patrick Queen was not that good last year as their middle linebacker after drafting him, I think, 27th out of LSU. Uh, their secondary is still going to be one of the better ones in the league with Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey, as well as Chuck Clark commanding the back end. But I think that defense is not going to be as stingy as they were in years past. And that's what will ultimately let them down this year and why they're going to lose games in a tightly contested division featuring the return of Joe Burrow, Roethlisberger, and the Steelers, who are still, I think, going to be better than them on defense and at least comparable on offense, just in a different way by passing the ball. And uh, the Cleveland Browns, who I think have the best roster in, in football. Go Browns. Go Browns. Sorry, uh, Anton, most complete, I should say. Yeah, most complete sure, roster in football. Sure. Anton, I'll jump in here uh, again. As both of us said, we, we don't like the Ravens. They were the first thing that came to mind for me. But I did end up choosing another team that I would like to be good, but I think for a number of reasons they're set up for disappointment, and that's the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I'm a huge Jonathan Taylor guy. I think he's going to be one of the best running backs in the league for a very long time. He, he's built for it. Uh, and he's in a great system behind a great offensive line. But the issue is that they brought in a quarterback who has injury concerns. He had an injury history in Carson Wentz. And what does he do? He gets hurt. And it's a Unreal. pretty serious It's a pretty serious injury. It sounds like he's going to be back for week one. But the problem is he's not going to get any in-game reps with his guys before that happens. And, and I'm worried a little bit. And now you have Quentin Nelson. One of the best offensive linemen in football, arguably the best offensive lineman in football, and he goes down, right, with the same injury. First of all, really weird that both of them suffered the exact same injury. And they, they both said it was like from high, like high school yeah. injury. I don't know how they don't find that in the physical or anything. It's yeah, pretty, but, pretty but, but with Carson Wentz, when, when you're a quarterback in a new system and you don't have the opportunity to get any in-game reps before you hop into the regular season and you don't have a solid backup behind you they're turning into guys like jacob eason they're they're in trouble especially if once goes down again what are they going to do bring philip rivers out of retirement call nick Foles. i'm not sure that either one of those guys can save your season and at this point while i was high on carson wentz i'm not sure if he can save the indianapolis colts or at least carry them to the level they were at last year with philip rivers who you can say all you want about philip rivers he was consistent you went out there, you knew exactly what you were going to get from him, and it's the complete opposite with Carson Wentz. Do you get MVP-level Carson Wentz? Do you get Eagles Carson Wentz from last year where he's just completely out of his mind and he, he doesn't want to be there? I, I don't know. So I'd be a little concerned if I were the Colts. I think they're set up for disappointment. Anton, what about you? First, I just want to just bounce off your guys' points. 
the Colts, man, I feel terrible for them. You know, um, they lose Andrew Luck, right? And then they have to they have to sell out and get um, well, they don't have to sell out, but they have to take on Carson Wentz's massive contract. Now they have to deal with this injury. I think it would just be cruel if they brought in Nick Foles again. That would just be a disaster for, for Carson Wentz. Um, and also for the Ravens' point, man, I've always wondered, you know, in the playoffs, how come when Lamar Jackson is forced to throw the football, people still regard him as like a really elite quarterback? In the regular season, sure, you can run all over teams, but in the playoffs, I mean, you have to throw the ball. Anyway, I'll get to my pick. Um, in my opinion, there are a lot of teams that make a lot of big offseason moves that really boost um, their their projections. Um, I am a victim of this. I The Cleveland Browns in 2019, they had Odell Beckham Jr., right? They have all this flash, and then they think they're going to make the Super Bowl. And I think the same thing is going to happen with the Tennessee Titans. They had Julio Jones. Big time uh, wide receiver, you know, finally is out of Atlanta. And he isn't what he used to be, right? But the threat of him alone is enough to keep defenses honest. Um, But my problem with the Titans is that it wasn't like their concern as a team was on the offensive side of the ball, right? They have Derrick Henry. They have A.J. Brown. They have a really deep team. And so they just add more uh, to their offense. But the defense is where they really struggle. I don't have them ranked anywhere in the in nowhere near my top 20 uh, in the league for defense. They lose Jadavion Clowney, and I know he wasn't what they expected him to be, but he was still someone that you could look to as like a pretty solid piece for your defense, uh, at least in the run game side. And now who do they have on defense? I don't know. So sure, you add Julio Jones, but that's not really going to matter if you can't stop anybody. And I think that was more evident uh, against the Browns, you know, against these better teams. Like last year, they got dropped, you know, the Browns dropped 38 on them um, in the first half, or 30, a bunch of points in the first half. And it wasn't like it was anywhere close. Uh, they, the score makes it, look, makes it look like it was a lot closer than it actually was. Um, by the end, the Browns just kind of like were playing prevent defense the whole time. They let them back in the game. But the Titans, I think, will finish, I got about like 10 and 7, which is not much better than last year. So, I think the Titans will be a big disappointment. I think they have pretty much Super Bowl hopes at this point for what they've done in the offseason. And I think they're going to disappoint their fans and the rest of the NFL. Julio Jones, I love him, but I don't know if he's going to be able to take the Titans to that next level. Yeah, the Titans are in an interesting spot for me. Um, I'll touch on them a little later when, when we go to potential teams that could actually come out of the AFC because I think we can have an interesting discussion there. Why don't we just hop straight in uh, to the next topic, this is going to be a fun one. What is one or who is one player that will be an X factor in the AFC this year? Uh, I guess I'll go first since it's my turn to do so. And I'm going to go with a guy who Jeremy briefly mentioned in one of his rants. It's Joe Burrow for the Cincinnati Bengals. Because, Jeremy, the point you made that I think is great, I think the Browns are going to cruise to winning the AFC North this year. In my opinion, the Bengals could slide into that wild card spot. I know it's crazy to think that the Bengals have been so bad for so long, but they also revamped their offensive line. They obviously passed notoriously on um, Rayshon Slater, right? Uh, I'm not messing that up. Yeah, they passed on Rayshon Slater for Jamar Chase, uh, which I still think is a mistake. But then they did take a couple of other offensive linemen in what was a deep offensive lineman class. So I can't really fault them for that. If Chase was their guy, uh, then they got him. And by bringing him in, they now have one of the best, in my opinion, a top three wide receiver core in the NFL. Tyler Boyd, one of the best slot guys in the in the league. T. Higgins was phenomenal last year. He looked like he should have been a first-round pick. And Jamar Chase, 
We all know what he did with Joe Burrow a couple of years ago. And speaking of Joe Burrow, if he can come back to playing at the Heisman level we saw at LSU, which I know is not realistic for him to play at that high of a level because he was just tooling on kids repeatedly every single week. But he, he looked lost a little bit at times last year, and a large part of that was because the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line was horrendous. And they addressed that, and they did address some some pieces on the defensive side of the ball. But if Burrow comes out and plays like the number one overall pick he was two seasons ago, I think the Bengals can make some noise. So he's an X factor for me this year. Jeremy, I'll toss it to you. I have two points to bring up here. One, they not only passed on Rayshon Slater, they also uh, passed on Penny Sewell. Yeah, Penny Sewell. And secondly, Pen- that please... was who I was talking about. Penny Sewell. My bad. Lions fans, second and more importantly. Second and more importantly, please never say the words tooling on kids ever again. It, it, it just hit the air wrong. Please. All right. So I have two X factors. I have uh, one player and one coach. So the player is Carson Wentz. I think Indy is the swing team in the AFC South. I think that I know what I'm going to get from Jacksonville. I know what I'm going to get from Houston. And I personally have a uh, certain opinion about the Titans that I will get to later on. Yeah. Um, in terms of the Colts, I have them winning the division and I have them going 12-5. and five. They are they are loaded. Their offensive line is good enough to withstand the loss of Quentin Nelson for a couple of weeks. But if that injury nags, then they're then they'll really be in trouble. Um, the one problem that Indy has is they just don't have a lot of weapons. They have Michael Pittman Jr. and old T.Y. Hilton, and I guess Mo Ali Cox at tight end. I really would like them to have gone out and gotten Julio Jones instead of letting a division rival take him. However, I think that it'll be all down to Wentz, and especially Wentz off the play action. I think they're going to be feeding the ball to Jonathan Taylor a lot, a player who's already had a lot of tread on those tires, and I think Marlon Mack is going to be back as well, along with Hines out of the backfield. So they're going to be putting a lot on their running back shoulders, especially as Wentz tries to work himself back from that foot injury. So... Off the play action, can he find those guys down the seam? Can he find the crossing routes on third and five to pick up those first downs and keep that ball control offense going and keep running the clock? So that way you can turn it over to the likes of Darius Leonard, Kenny Moore, and some of these other guys on on the Colts defense that can really make plays and get turnovers, which is, in my opinion, one of the underrated parts about the Colts defense. Um, Coach Andy Reid, and here's why. A- I picked X factors that I thought could actually affect the AFC, uh, the crown of the AFC. I don't think Cincinnati does that, which is why I didn't honestly think of Burrow, but that is a good pick. I chose Andy Reid because of his play calling. And look, we understand. You have Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey. Andy Reid, run the ball a little bit more. Two years ago, you got lucky and won a Super Bowl because Kyle Shanahan dribbled down his uh, leg in the Super Bowl and Jimmy Garoppolo just pissed it away. But you did not run the ball enough. And you got Patrick Mahomes hurt on a quarterback sneak. Last year, you didn't run the ball enough because Edward Zelaire was not up to par. Your offensive line was garbage and got torn apart by the, uh, by the Buccaneers pass rush in the Super Bowl because they actually knew what they were doing. So, now is coming year four of the Andy Reid-Patrick Mahomes marriage for, for a full season. Let's see if he will actually commit to running the ball with that revamped offensive line. You've got Joe Tooney. You've got the good doctor back. You've got Kyle Long, who admittedly did under did suffer an injury, but you know what? You still got another piece in there. You got a couple of offensive linemen that should solidify Kansas City as having a top ten offensive line. You have got to run the ball more with Edward Zelaire. And I don't know who their second who who is their backup back now. I don't even know. Um Dar- Daryl Williams, who actually looked still there? really good last year. Okay. So, 
Um, I know Le'Veon Bell said he's never going to play for him again, so I knew he was out. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. basically, will the Chiefs commit to running the ball more, taking the pressure off of their defense, which is subpar now, very subpar. They're not as good as they were. Will they commit to running the ball, getting 100 yards a game with Edward Zelaer, and seeing what happens from there? Time will tell. I'm interested to see it. We'll see what happens. Yeah, you know, Jeremy, um, there are a lot of questions with the Chiefs this year, and I think that that's a perfect segue into our final conversation. But before we get there, we got to get to Anton and who his X Factor is for the AFC. I think there's a lot of quarterbacks in the league right now who are guys who had some okay situations who now have better ones um and now it's kind of their year to show out i think tua is definitely one of those guys kind of unfortunate that it's already it's only his second year and we're already putting this pressure on him like he has to be the guy already but i think that's the kind of pressure you get when you're the second overall pick um or sorry third overall pick i can't really remember right now but the point is is that the dolphins had some question marks um what was it again fifth overall pick fifth my bad okay but the point is that tua Tua, you know, last year, it was a COVID year. It was his rookie year. Um, and he didn't really play that well. And that was one of the most shocking things that I noticed. that He didn't look like the player I saw at Alabama. He looked kind of nervous in the pocket. Um, and it just didn't seem like he could really move the ball down the field. But this year, uh, the Dolphins have done a really good job of building around Tua and giving him the pieces they need. Um, and so one thing that is very surprising to me is that the AFC, AFC East at least is shaping up to be shaping up to be a bloodbath. You know, you have mm. the Patriots coming back, you have the Dolphins with Tua, and then you have the Bills, right? Those are three big teams. And then you I have think, Princess Zach Wilson. Of course, of course, my bad. Broadway <laughs> Zach, how could I forget? He looks um, awful, I heard. Uh, that's I mean that, I, he's Sam Darnold 2.0. I made this comment before. He I was gonna say anyway, but Zach he's got Wilson, a better arm than Darnold. Let's be let's be nice. He's got a better arm. His situational awareness is that of a BYU quarterback. That's exactly. the best thing I can say about him. It's just it doesn't make any sense to me why they wouldn't just keep Sam Darnold. Just Zach Wilson is the same guy basically. Anyway, the point is I think Tua really needs to show up because if if the if the Dolphins can like put it together this year. I'm sure they can siphon away a couple wins from the Bills, maybe maybe even take the first place uh, in the division, and then make the Bills have to go through the wild card, right? And that gives that gives teams a chance to knock out the Bills early, which could really shape the way who, of who comes out of the AFC this year, right? So, if I have anyone as an X factor, I think two is a guy that can really, really, really change the landscape of the AFC East, which would also change a lot of other things. Uh, for playoff implications, and even for the AFC title game. So I got Tua as my X Factor this year. Yeah, that's a great pick. Um, I considered Tua, to be honest with you, and this is a make-or-break year for him. We we talked about Tua a little bit in our uh, NFL Power Rankings episode, Anton, and I said, you know, coming into the league, right, he was just consistently compared to being the lefty Drew Brees. And on right. paper, you're like, sweet, lefty Drew Brees, Let's go. What happens if he's not Drew Brees? Because then he's just an undersized lefty quarterback with some mobility issues. And it sounds like that has finally cleared up. With a uh, terrible injury the, history, yeah. too. He, yeah, he ter- always hurt. hurt. Yeah, so it, it I don't know. I probably wouldn't have taken him at five. I was a big Herbert fan. That ended up paying off, obviously, for the Chargers. They got lucky uh, that Miami passed on him. But... You know, if Tua can play like he did at Alabama and just be an elite game manager, 
Miami can be good this year. Uh, I agree. You know, they, they had a bit of a scare with Xavier Howard, but he restructured his deal. He, he's good to go. That defense is still scary despite losing a couple of pieces. Um, and then offensively, you know, they did get better. They brought in Will Fuller. Um, it, it, that's a big piece. They brought in Jalen Waddle. Yeah. Yeah. In, in the first round in the top 10. So they got a lot better offensively. It just all depends, like with the Patriots, on the quarterback play and can they maximize those weapons. But as Jeremy was talking about earlier with the Kansas City Chiefs, that's going to segue us into our final discussion topic before we do kick it over for Garen's game, in case you thought we forgot. We did not. But (laughs) anyway, anyway, um, the Chiefs, they've come out of the AFC the last two years. They won the Super Bowl two years ago. They got absolutely destroyed by Tom Brady and the Buccaneers last season. Anton, I'm kicking it to you first. Who's coming out of the AFC? And why do we already know who it is? And I think you already know it is the dog pound. (laughs) (laughs) Cleveland Browns. We're coming out of the AFC this year. And here's why, all right? First of all, we have Baker Mayfield, franchise quarterback. We can all say it now. Baker Mayfield's a franchise quarterback. We have Miles Garrett coming off. He's going to be healthy this year. With He has some help this year with some J. Davey on Clowney. Odell's coming back. This is the second year with Kevin Stefanski. He's he's really changed the entire culture of that entire team. I have never seen the Browns work so hard um, and be so focused and be so driven. Um, they have a lot of leaders on that team, and I will die on this hill that if God, what's his name, Sorensen had not rammed his head into into my boy Hollywood Higgins and he didn't fumble the ball out of the end zone. Oh my god. If they uh, had if that tragic. if that did not happen, I am you certain won. you would have won. Yeah. I'm certain the Browns would have won that game. That would have yeah. that would have changed if, everything. If memory serves, that was also a penalty and I was very pissed yeah, it off was about that. 100% he lowered his helmet and went helmet first. I was blowing a gasket watching that. I think In the, fact, he didn't yeah, hit the, any other part of Richard Higgins' body except his head. I could not believe they didn't call. I was like, how could you not call that? Anyway, the uh, Browns, they had they their chance City. last year. They had their chance last year, but I think this is the year. And the reason why is because they're revamped, they're reloaded. The one thing that they needed to address was their defense, and they completely did that. John Johnson, the third, Troy Hill, Jadavion Clowney. They got a you know JOK. We talked about him before. There's a lot of things to like about the Browns, and I think they have the coach, they have the quarterback, they have the team to really make it happen this year. I think the Browns finally come out of the AFC, and we're going to the Super Bowl, and we're going to win it just like every year we're going to win the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Cleveland Browns. You know, you know Anton, I – we talked about this earlier, but a couple of weeks ago, I tweeted out, I think the Browns can legitimately win the Super Bowl this year. And it felt so weird. But looking at them on paper, as Jeremy said, they probably got the most complete roster in football. Uh, I love their one-two punch of Nick Chubb. He's my favorite running back in the league. And Kareem Hunt is the best backup running back in the league. He doesn't even deserve to be called a backup because that's how good he is. He's not a they're backup getting, at yeah, all. They're, they're getting OBJ back. We'll see if uh, he and Baker can figure it out. But, you know, on paper and what they did last year with Kevin Stefanski running the show, they will compete to make it to the Super Bowl. And, Jeremy, I'll toss it over to you because I have a feeling I know who you're picking. Uh, I had two options here. I think you're taking the second option. Go for it. Who do you think I'm picking? I think you're taking the Titans. Uh, No. No. Oh, good, good. Wow. Okay. (laughs) All right. Awesome. Because you said you were going to touch on Tennessee later. Yeah. um, 
can we also go over? I don't know if you guys had this. I wrote these down. Uh, seed predictions one through seven. If you guys um, don't, if you guys, if you guys can come oh. up with something on the spot now, I'm gonna talk for a little bit. So I'll give you some time. Sure. We 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 uh, went over this. We we pulled these. I know. Out. All right, so Vag- go for it. Vaguely, but uh, I don't know if I was there for that episode or it could have been when we weren't recording. I'm not sure. No, you were not there for that episode. Okay, yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, I'm taking the Chiefs. Chalk pick, but it is mm. the pick. Until further notice, the Chiefs have to show me a true uh, consistent weakness for me to pick against them in the AFC because the only team that's been able to beat them have been teams led by Tom Brady, and last I checked, he's not in the AFC right now. Uh, Mahomes is still the greatest quarterback in the league right now. Not even close. Uh, I don't like Tyreek Hill, but he's definitely a top five wide receiver. And I don't like Travis Kelsey, but he's clearly the number two tight end. Yes, that's right, Chiefs fans. Number two behind George Kittle when he's healthy. Um, I agree. Agreed. That revamped offensive I w- I line. I won't agree, but I think they're both great. That revamped offensive line is clearly going to have a factor in it because I mean, if Patrick Mahomes is trying to complete passes when the foot when his uh his forearm is parallel to the ground and he's basically chucking it two inches off the surface of the turf, there's a problem and it still hit his receiver in the friggin' helmet because the guy blows. I don't even remember who that. I think that might have been Pringle. Um, he should have caught the, it. The loss of Sammy Watkins should hurt. And being a Georgia fan, Miko Hardman, this is his make or break year. I've heard a lot. I follow a certain Chiefs fan on Twitter that I think is not biased in uh, when it comes to analyzing the Chiefs, and he's pretty uh, smart when it comes to his film analysis. He hates McCall Hardman. He doesn't. He thinks he's a gadget guy, and he's not wrong. Because after seeing, after listening to his analysis, I looked at it and I say, hey, you, you know what? You're right. They don't actually throw to him. If you notice, it's either going yeah. to be a bomb, a scramble play when the play breaks down, or an end around. That's all they use him for, as well as sure. kickoffs. You have to take that leap to go and replace Sammy Watkins in that offense if the Chiefs want to be the same prolific passing attack that they have been. Pringle's going to go step into the third wide receiver spot, so it's going to be interesting. On defense, Tyron Matthew and Chris Jones are still there, so if you have a guy on the back end and you can have a guy that can get pressure on the quarterback, you should be relatively alright. It is going to depend on can Willie Gay take that next step as their linebacker. I think Hitchens is still there. Damian Wilson, I'm not so sure. The Chiefs did undergo a lot of turnover on that defense in the offseason, especially because they were trying to sign a guy like Joe Tooney to that massive contract. They're doing, they're having to do a lot of reshuffling because there are a lot of big salaries. And this is also why I say the Chiefs, because this is the tipping point of a dynasty. If you want to become a dynasty, A, you have to win multiple Super Bowl titles, but B, when everybody starts to get paid, which is what is happening right now, you have to keep winning. And so Andy Reid and so Patrick Mahomes, if you want to try and achieve a dynastic status in this league in the AFC and use it as your playground for the next decade, you have to keep winning once guys start to leave. It is make it or break it time, poop or get off the can, Let's go Chiefs and see if you can actually make it back to another Super Bowl. If you can, then you get credit. But you still have to go win it at the end of the day for me to call you a dynasty. Fair enough. Uh, by the way, I think both of us do have our uh, power rankings up for you, Jeremy, after I go over my pick. And my pick, um, I wanted to go a little different here. The Browns were my number one pick for sure. And then um, uh, the Chiefs, I just didn't want to take the chalk there. So I'm looking around the league, right, trying to figure out, who I think makes a legitimate push. I didn't want to go crazy and say the Patriots, but I will go with a team that Anton said is a make-or-break team this year. It is Super Bowl or bust, and that's the Tennessee Titans. Anton, you said the biggest problem for you with them is that they lost to Davion Clowney and didn't replace him. 
I think you're forgetting about the existence of Bud Dupree. The man is an mm, right. absolute stud. And then they didn't just stop there. They brought in Denico Autry, who I think is a good defensive lineman. And then they brought in Janoris Jenkins, who he's not great. He's not flashy, but he's been serviceable as a cornerback in the league the past couple of years, despite some issues off the field. But um, So I think that they still are fine defensively and you can argue they maybe even got a little bit better by bringing in a guy like Bud Dupree especially when Davion Clowney wasn't great last year and then offensively they brought in Julio Jones who yes he was dealing with hamstring issues last year but I'm hoping it can be an outlier keyword there is hope because he's obviously on the wrong side of 30 now he's under contract on a big deal for the next couple of years and um it's just it's questionable to be how many times he can practice with the team. We know he didn't practice much in Atlanta because they really were just saving him for game days. But I do think that you said it wasn't necessary for them to bring him in. I think it was because they lost Johnny Smith and Corey Davis. They needed to bring in that guy to put aside A.J. Brown to stop teams for pretty much saying, all right, we're going to stack the line and then double A.J. Brown. Do something else. I dare you. And now teams can't. Now they have three legitimate weapons. And the key thing here for me with Tennessee is Derrick Henry. Can he handle one more 400-touch year workload? I'm not sure, but if he can, this could be the year that they finally put it all together. I'm a big Vrabel fan. I love how he runs that team. And just, just for the sake of being a little bit different, I'm rolling with the Tennessee Titans. All right. Um, yeah. All right, moving on. We're going to throw things over to Jeremy for the next segment of Garen's Game. Anton, Yay! bring the music in. All right, Jeremy, what do you got for it's us? Like the Price game. is Right. Originally, I thought it was the John Cena theme. Now it just sounds like the Price is Right. <laughs> no, it was not the John Spin. Cena theme. Okay. It was always that the Price is Right. Wheel. Okay, so two things. I want you guys to list out your seeing because I want to hear this. I was not here for this, and I didn't happen to catch that episode. I was traveling. Wow. So, uh, Anton, give me your one through seven in the AFC. All right, so starting at number one, I have the Chiefs. Got to be honest. Number two, I got the Browns. Number three, I have the Bills. Number four, I have the Ravens. Then the Titans, the Dolphins, and the Colts. Is that power rankings or seedings? Because you can't have the Ravens fourth if you have the Browns second. You can switch the Titans uh, and the Ravens. I'm sorry, just that's kind of like my power rank, I guess. Okay, I'm just uh, swap swap the, your four and five, Anton. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah, okay. So it'd be like it'll go uh, Chiefs, Browns, Bills, Titans, Ravens. Dolphins, Colts. Okay, okay. Uh, Jeff, one through seven. Yeah, um, so mine's changed a little bit since the last time we did a recording because of various injury issues, etc. But I'm going Chiefs one, Browns two, Bills three, Titans four, Chargers five, Colts six, Patriots seven. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Okay, so I had uh, we all had the same top three Chiefs, Browns, Bills in that order. I got the Chiefs at fourteen and three, Browns at thirteen and four, Bills and Colts rounding out the division winners at twelve and five. I got the Chargers as the five seed. I think that they're good enough and they have a better roster than the other two teams that I have making the wild cards. I say this to say I don't have the Titans making the playoffs. The Titans have turned into one of the most enigmatic teams in the NFL, in my opinion. I don't understand them. They make no sense on a year-in, year-out basis. They They could look like world beaters one week and be absolute cheeks the next week it's kind of impressive how Jekyll and Hyde that team is and that's what I think is going to be their ultimate downfall I have the Patriots going 11 and 6 to finish in the sixth seed and then the Dolphins at 10 and 7 uh slightly beating out the Titans for that seventh seed because I believe they play head-to-head this year 
Um, yeah, because we fa- the, the Patriots face Jacksonville this year. So, the, yes, the Dolphins definitely do face them, uh, the Titans, and they're going to win the head-to-head matchup, and that's why they're going to get into the playoffs. But I think that it's interesting because the Titans become the most – people hate them or they love them. And I think people are a lot more consistent on the other teams in their division, but it does lead to my discussion question for this segment. So, for the next decade – you can have one of three teams, and I want you to list them. Which team you would rather be for the next decade, so the next okay. 10 years. And let's let's assume you're starting right now with the current roster, moving on for the next 10 years. You have New England, Tennessee, and Jacksonville. So which team would you rather be for the next 10 years? And so rank them one through three. One being the team that you would most want to be, three being the team that you would least want to be for the next 10 years. What I don't know which... Again? Tennessee, Jacksonville, New England. Okay, I've got it. If if you're okay. you yeah, want to think about go, it Jeff. a little bit more, yeah, yeah. um, I've got New England as the one, Jacksonville as the two, and the Tennessee as the clear three. I think Tennessee is obviously number three for me, just because they they put their eggs in so many baskets that they're going to expire in a couple mm-hmm. of seasons. But when you look at uh, what gives New England the edge over Jacksonville for me, it's just the culture, because I think Belichick's still going to be coaching for at least half of that decade. And you got a guy in Mac Jones who I think can run the system perfectly. He runs the way he runs it the way Matt, not Matt, Jesus, not Matt Patricia. Thank God, he's not <laughs> taking over the offense. But thank um, God, jo- the God. way Josh McDaniels wants them to run, and he's not even much better looking at his resume as a head coach if he'd be the one taking over. But offensive as an offensive coordinator, he runs the way he runs the system the way. McDaniels wants it. And then they brought in a couple of young guys who I like. I do think Jacoby Myers has a future in this league. Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith are both 26 and under. So they are going to be good players for the next couple of years. And then I look at Jacksonville and I'm like, all right, Trevor Lawrence, I think he's a generational talent. Travis Etienne, I think is a really good player. DJ Chark, hit or miss. LaVisca Chenault is a really good gadget guy. I think he has the ability to be a utility tool for them. James Robinson, you know, that backfield maybe could be Chubb Hunt part two, maybe. Maybe. But the problem comes down to the coaching staff. I have no faith in Urban Meyer to carry this team to the playoffs whatsoever in his tenure. I think he'll be out in a couple of years, and the culture in Jacksonville is bad enough that I think that they could waste multiple years of Trevor Lawrence's career. So let me ask you this, Jeff. Is it easier to replace a franchise quarterback or a good head coach? Head coach. Head coach for me. So wouldn't that lead you to believe that Jacksonville would be more appealing? No, because okay. we're talking about the greatest head coach of all time. Okay, Bill that's fair. Anton, your answer? Um, so for me, I think I had the same thing as Jeff. And the reason why is because when it comes down to 10 years, like a whole decade, I'm thinking of culture, right? And I think the Patriots have unquestionably the best culture in the whole league. right? They've shown that the way they do things gets you Super Bowls. And I think when people join the Patriots, they know that this is the way you do it, right? And I look at Tennessee, um, I see like in, maybe I see this team maybe staying, staying together or having a Super Bowl window open for the next, I say three years at the most, maybe four. I don't know what Ryan Tannehill will be in the next four years. I certainly don't know what Derrick Henry's going to be like, and he's their biggest piece. But what I like about Jacksonville is that they're really good at developing young talent. And I think that Trevor Lawrence has the has the has a good situation around him to grow and to learn. I don't think they're expecting him to be like Tua and come out and just be playoff ready sort of player. They just need him to come out and just be solid like Joe Burrow. So I think this is a year for Trevor Lawrence to learn and grow. 
Um, and I think that Jacksonville, you know, they had some pro- they had that they had Saxonville just a you know what was that six years ago? That's crazy. I can't believe that that just disappeared. And I think they can get yeah. back to those days. The fans there are great. I just don't know what the Titans are gonna be like. And culture wise, like I said, the Patriots, you gotta give it to them. So I gotta go Patriots as my first pick, then the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then the Titans. So I included the third team thinking that it would be closer, but thinking harder about it, the Titans are clearly number three. Again, I touched on it. My own personal opinion of the Titans is that they are so Jekyll and Hyde, you can't rely on them week to week. They'll pull off one upset a year that you'll be like, wow, how'd they do that? And then they'll let you down when you need them. Perfect example, last year they beat the Ravens when I was when I picked them, and then I picked them against the Browns, I think, two weeks later, and they got absolutely shellacked. Um, no shocker there. Yeah. yeah. Right, right, <laughs> who had who had any doubts? No doubts. But <laughs> the argument between Jacksonville and New England, I think, is closer than what you guys have said so far. Oh, I think simply it's close. for yeah. simply for the Trevor Lawrence factor. Mm. Franchise quarterbacks are so so hard to get, and Super Bowl winning franchise quarterbacks are even harder. And if you think that Trevor Lawrence has even an inkling of being one of those select few, think about how many Super Bowl winning quarterbacks there are in the league right now: Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes. Brady, Roethlisberger, and is that it? Flacco doesn't count anymore because he blows. I think that's it. What are we it. talking about? Super Bowl winning quarterbacks that are like top of the top. Still, Brady, Rodgers, right Wilson, now. Mahomes. Yeah, Brady, Rodgers, Wilson, Mahomes, Roethlisberger's at the tail end. That's it. Um, Unless I'm missing – am I missing somebody obvious that I'm just not thinking of? I'm looking right now. Um – People love Josh Allen. He hasn't won anything. Lamar Jackson hasn't won anything. Um, Kyler Murray hasn't won anything. Um, Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) Did you just bring Daniel Jones' name up in the conversation with everybody? Drew Brees is gone. That's it. There's five guys. Five guys that you can legitimately say are those guys. And one of them's 44, 45, something like that. Yeah, he's going to be playing until he hits the, the other one, full membership, baby. Yes, 44, sir. 45. The other one is 38 and quickly declining in Roethlisberger. So really, you're talking oh, about did three we forget guys. About Matt? Does Matt Ryan count? No, he's he didn't because cool. he didn't oh, win. Rodgers, Wilson, Rogers, Wilson, and Mahomes. And Rodgers is 38, too. So I'm just I'm picking guys off by the score here. You have Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes. If you think that Trevor Lawrence can get to that level, you pick the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now... The interesting thing becomes, and I don't even count, I don't think Belichick counts in the Patriots' favor here. That coaching and culture should be gone by the time Belichick is gone because Josh McDaniels and Matt Patricia have about as much coaching talent as what I put in the toilet this morning. They both, in terms of head coaching ability. You made, I Jeremy, just don't you made see far that. too many toilet-related jokes. I know, that's a good point. I know, get off the <laughs> toilet. We're going to have to touch this up for the next episode. Jeremy's fine, actually sitting on the okay toilet right now, guys. That's why, exactly. he's so, that's why he's so topical. <laughs> yep, exactly. I had one thing on my mind, clearly. Um, so, <laughs> the... The interesting thing that comes with the Patriots is not the fact that Belichick is going to be there. It's going to be the contracts that they signed this offseason. They spent for the first time in God knows how long. They spent over $220 million of raw money, I believe, in terms of if you add all yeah. the contract value mm-hmm. together. Matt Judon, Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, Jalen Mills, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne. Um, they re-signed Dietrich Wise, Lawrence Guy, David Andrews, James White. I think those were the big 10 that they signed this year. Um, that money is going to look like peanuts soon. 
people were saying that they overpaid for Nelson Aguilar. People were saying, and they, and I think they did. People were saying that they overpaid for Hunter Henry, and I think they did, especially for a guy who's never played a full 16-game season. And now you're moving to 17 games? No way Hunter Henry's going to be available for all of those. Um, but guess what's coming on down the line? Guess what Jerry Jones has boasted about? That TV deal that they just signed. Yeah. The billions and billions of dollars. I don't know why players are cashing in now. It makes no sense to me. Because when you ca- when you when that TV deal takes effect, I believe in twenty, it's either next year or the year after. I think it might be twenty twenty three. The contracts are going to be stupid. Patrick Mahomes is going to have a middle of the pack quarterback contract soon, because of how much money is going to be coming in. They are going to be getting NBA dollars. Forty five million dollars a year will be, you know, those upper echelon players. But it's not only going to be quarterbacks. Is the interesting part. It's going to be. Aaron Donald could get that money if he's still mm. in his prime and still producing. Miles Garrett could go and get that money mm. after his contract runs out. Justin Herbert's going to get the bag, <laughs> but we already knew that. Um, some of these other guys, the only t- the only positions that probably won't get paid will be tight end and running back because historically they just never get paid. And fullback, but fullback's a dying breed. Um, what I want to see is will those Patriots contracts, how will they look when you stack it up five years from now? Because if it stacks up pretty well and looks at like the kind of the lower lower end of the pack, they could capitalize on this free agency when the TV deals take effect, and that's really what I want to see. Only and not only because I'm a Patriots fan, because it also could provide a blueprint to be like, okay, let me go cash in now. And you may see a couple of other stars try and rework their deals now. Xavier Howard already tried it and he failed miserably because I don't know why he stopped his holdout <laughs> for three million dollars in incentives. Yeah. That made no sense. We'll see. But, we'll see what uh, happens with Gilmore. I think that's going to be very interesting. Exactly, and I I think that Belichick, you you could argue for for paying everybody. Why aren't you giving a four to five million dollar bump for Gilmore? I think Gilmore wants more because he knows what's coming. So I don't know if it's really a four to five million dollar difference. I think it could be more like fifteen to twenty. And that's that's a lot of money, especially for a guy on the wrong side of 30 coming off a season-ending injury. All that is to say, this will be interesting to see down the line when it comes to money versus franchise quarterback and talent. Because I think DJ Chark is going to be gone after this year. So it's going to be Chenault and Marvin Jones for, uh, for Jacksonville. Old. Exactly. They need to revamp that offensive line and that defense still isn't great, especially after trading Schobert over to uh, the Steelers. Pittsburgh. Which is an underrated move, in my opinion. Yeah, Steelers, once again, poaching from a Florida team to try and re, uh, improve their defense could be very good. Devin Bush and Schobert together is a nice combination. So, yeah, that, that, that's all I got. I just want to spotlight those two teams as the uh, because the Patriots still have the question mark at the ultimate position in sports. And that is that is a very, very tough thing to overcome. No matter how much money you throw at the problem, you still need the guy if you're, you're going to hope to get anywhere. Yeah, you know, I can't argue with any of that. Uh, I think that the Patriots quarterback situation is a little bit more solidified with Mac Jones than you do. But that's a great place to stop for the day. We're pushing about 55 minutes at this point. For those of you that stuck around and listened, thank you so much. We had a blast with this episode. Next week, we are going to bounce back to the NBA, do a a little bit of an off-season recap, breaking down the best moves, who won, who lost NBA free agency in terms of players as well. It's going to be really fun. Jeremy, Anton, thank you guys so much. It's coming on per usual. Jeremy, I'll go ahead first. Mr. Garen, shoot us your socials. All right, we're going to go normal this time instead of promoting any Instagram pages. Um, follow me on at Jeremy C. Guerin on Twitter and Instagram. That would be J-E-R-E-M-Y-C-G-U-E-R-I-N on Twitter and Instagram. I've been tweeting a lot about soccer because the Premier League is back. Go City. Uh, hopefully they can go, go and capture Chelsea. a second straight and a fourth no in five God. years. 
Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm interested to uh, to see them face Tottenham Hotspur and Harry Kane tomorrow. Who they're hopefully going to yes, try and sign. A future citizen. But yes. um, Anton, uh, thank you for coming on again. Please no Chelsea references when you give us your socials. <laughs> Uh, I like to go go Pulisic, my guy, the American hope. Pulisic. That's fair. That's okay. Pulisic. All right. Um, my you can follow me on Instagram at Anton Lee A N T O N L E E followed by two underscores on Instagram. Sweet guys, thank you for coming on. I'm your host Jeff Pratt. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Hotline Fantasy. Get my work on DraftKings Nation or Primetime Sports Talk. I'll have some articles starting to come out there soon, and you can happen to find this episode on Primetime Sports Talk as well. Guys, once again, thanks for coming on. Looking forward to NBA next week. For those who are listening, stay safe. Enjoy your weekend. Watch some football. Peace.